Hello, hello. Welcome back to the One Day at a Time podcast with your host, me, Valerie Fong. If you've been online at all lately, you've probably seen a few memes or TikTok videos describing the unique struggles of being the eldest daughter or the oldest sister. This phenomenon, which people are calling eldest daughter syndrome, essentially refers to the emotional burden that eldest daughters tend to take on or expected to take on in many families from a really young age. This idea really stood out to me because I'm the oldest child in my own family. I have a younger sister who is my best friend in the world. She actually just turned 21, which is crazy to me. and. Growing up, we would always joke that I was like her second mother. And I think a big part of why we're so close to each other now is because when we were growing up, I ended up taking on a lot of the responsibilities caring for her the way that a mother would. This came in the form of helping her with her homework or her college applications, picking her up from tutoring, doing the laundry for her and my family, and making sure she was fed when my parents were out. So I really relate to this idea of eldest daughter syndrome, and I thought that maybe some of you guys out there who are older sisters as well might relate to it too. On social media right now, the way that eldest daughter syndrome is kind of being portrayed is through these jokes of the oldest daughter on her way to solve everyone's problem because no one else is going to do it, or Comedians have been acting out like an oldest daughter hotline to support your needs while you support everyone else's. Which is like, these are very comedic takes on this deep level of responsibility that comes with being the eldest female sibling. It takes a very light, satiric tone to the topic, but I think there's so much more to unpack there. Eldest daughters often end up shouldering a really heavy but invisible burden of domestic and emotional responsibility from a really young age. And it actually has a lot of implications for their personality and behaviors and also the expectations that they set for themselves when they are growing up, many of which are harmful and can have adverse effects on their lives. Today, I will be sharing some psychological origins of this phenomenon called eldest daughter syndrome and I'll also be applying my own lens sharing some of my own stories from growing up and taking care of my younger sister as the oldest of two in an immigrant family. So what is eldest daughter syndrome and what characterizes it? Eldest daughter syndrome spans a really wide spectrum of responsibilities, from caring for your younger siblings to doing chores for the family. You're essentially like a project manager or secretary for the family. And in the media and the news, it's characterized by high-strung personalities who are overthinking, anxious, people-pleasing, and uh, they tend to experience this natural inclination of wanting to take care of others around them. So their friends, their lovers, etc. And there's a reason why it's eldest daughter and not eldest son syndrome. Because by popular assumption, girls are expected to be more caring and maternal in nature than boys are. 
And unlike boys, girls are expected to emulate that traditional role of the mother and really mimic her behaviors as they are growing into their own. Of course, this is just a thinly disguised kind of misogyny because it motions at this idea that women are and should be the primary caretakers and that much of their value should come from how successful they are at caring for their family or performing domestic tasks. You know, housewife things. And because the eldest daughter tends to emulate the role of the mother by this popular assumption or expectation that they do, at a very young age, they often end up feeling like they have to be very responsible. They tend to have trouble playing, relaxing, or letting loose. They feel deeply self-reliant to the extent where they believe it's better to be self-reliant and to stand on your own than having to depend on others. And they also might have grown up being pulled into many arguments and issues between caregivers without really having a choice, uh, having to serve as a mediator or marriage counselor of sorts, and other responsibilities that weren't age appropriate. When people meet them, they might be complimented for being really mature at a young age. I remember hearing this all the time when I was younger from my mom's friends or from people at middle school. Just because I was quieter, always tending to my younger sister or helping my mom out with this or that. And when we start to unpeel this general experience of eldest daughter syndrome, we also see these additional layers related to intersectionality. So the experience of eldest daughter syndromes are almost amplified when you might be coming from an immigrant household or you come from a certain economic or social background. In my own experience living in the U.S. as part of a Asian American family, I often found myself doing these really ridiculous tasks and being benchmarks against really high standards for responsibility at a very young age. For example, because there was always this language barrier for my mom, who primarily speaks Mandarin Chinese, I was like helping her read government documents and bills since age 12. <laughs> I could barely comprehend what I was reading, but what I could do was a direct translation. And it was like anything I could do to support her understanding was a win. And supporting her through this language barrier didn't just apply to reading government papers or bills, but it also meant me coming along with her to meet bank tellers, parent-teacher conferences for my sister's schools, and extending my translation services to even her friends. All, you know, without giving 12-year-old me much of a say. In one instance, when I was 13 or 14, I was actually mediating a translation for her friend in the theater industry who had been visiting New York at the time to inquire about theater rentals at Lincoln Center. Uh, which I think in retrospect sounds insane, but all of this, all of this in retrospect sounds insane. But basically, I remember bringing my little pink bejeweled notebook, that's right, and taking notes. And I was also asking questions because I was the only person at the table who could speak English besides the Lincoln Center agent. 
and doing my best to translate between the parties. I went home after that meeting. I summarized it from English to Chinese with my mother in a document, and then we shared it with her friend. Yeah, that, that, those are the type of bizarre tasks that you kind of do because you want to be able to help out in any way you can, right? And it's not just domestic labor or day-to-day chores and tasks that the eldest daughter has to perform, but it's also picking up on a lot of the emotional labor of the family. I mean, just think about what having to play therapist or counselors to your parents must do to a young mind. When you're young, caring for your own mental health can already be so difficult. So throwing in that of your families as well is really a lot. And many of the eldest daughters speaking up on social media, these TikTok videos or blog posts, are sharing what dealing with these emotional challenges has done to them and their mental health later on in their lives. And how when they were younger, they may have been sacrificing their own mental health for that of their parents or their siblings. Growing up, I very much felt like a therapist or emotional support system for everyone in my family, especially to my mother, who often referred to me as her right hand. Beyond day-to-day household tasks like helping her sort and bring home pounds of groceries from the car, doing laundry for the family, tending to my sister's personal and academic needs, I was also the audience of her anger, her frustration, her bubbliness, her grief, and all the highs and lows and in-betweens of how she was feeling while raising my sister and I. I'm sure that for most eldest daughters, It really is this combination of responsibility, both household task management and emotional support, along with these like unrealistic high expectations that cultivates unhealthy tendencies, personalities, and feelings in adulthood. In psychology, a lot of this experience that we're talking about today falls under this concept called parentification which happens when a child is regularly expected to provide emotional or practical support for a parent instead of receiving that support themselves. And the process of parentification involves this negative feedback loop where as the eldest daughter or child assumes these more consistent responsibilities, the appreciative parents are rewarding them with affirmations and positive reinforcement, which causes the child to continue seeking out those types of responsibilities. This role reversal of parentification can disrupt the natural process of maturing and cause long-term negative effects on a child's physical and mental health. And so the second part of this podcast, we will be unpacking why this happens and what some of those negative effects are. But first, let's take a quick music break. I will be right back. Hello, hello. Welcome back. So now that we've kind of covered what eldest daughter syndrome is, we're going to dive into what this behavior or these expectations mean for the eldest daughter once they grow up. 
And I wanted to share some of my personal observations, being the eldest daughter of an Asian American family, and how that has kind of affected the way that my brain is wired today. So let us jump into some background first. There is this nationally recognized psychologist who specializes in family and child development named Dr. Gail Gross. And she has done a lot of research on the role that birth order has in the development of children's personalities. And Dr. Gross said that women who took on their parents' struggles are more likely to ignore their own emotions. Quote, by parenting her parents and taking over some of their responsibilities, the oldest daughter, in a sense, is suppressing her own feelings, wants, and needs. End quote. Dr. Gross goes on to say that the oldest daughter not only loses the capacity to recognize how she feels, but also to speak her feelings. And as she enters into adulthood, she may end up experiencing sadness, depression, without identifying a reason for either. And this state can lead to symptoms like post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as personality disorders and free-floating anxiety. What Dr. Gross is essentially trying to say is that women who take on their parents' struggles at a very young age are more likely to, in their development and in adulthood, ignore their own emotions or suppress it to some degree. This also means that in their adult life, eldest daughter syndrome and this parentification concept manifests in other unhealthy ways, most significantly in the sacrifice of an eldest sister or child's own needs for those of others, others being parents, friends, lovers, those around them, etc. And yes, selflessness has long been socially heralded as this amazing, awesome trait. And I think it really is because you need to be selfless to a certain degree in order to foster intimate relationships with others, right? You have to kind of give a bit of yourself and your own time in order to build trust and ethos with others. That being said, where we're getting in muddy water is when it's happening super consistently and it's extremely at the expense of oneself. In immigrant families especially, there's this idea that because your parents sacrifice so much to immigrate to a new country and to struggle in their own ways to provide for the family and set this foundation for the prosperity of their future generations, that there's also this similar unspoken expectation for you to do the same, to be willing to give up on the self for the betterment of a unit that is greater. And that value of self-sacrifice doesn't necessarily align with these more Western ideas of individualism and personal fulfillment. And I do think that these differences, these cultural differences, play a role in these isolating and anxious feelings that eldest daughters, or even more broadly, the children of immigrants experience. That said, these differences in culturally shaped expectations and norms don't necessarily minimize the very real and very harmful 
health, emotional, and personal development implications that come with this self-sacrifice. In my own culture, I was always taught that family is at the center of everything. It should be prioritized at all costs. Being the first child and the eldest daughter of my family, I was constantly told that everyone is always looking up to me, that I needed to be perfect because I was a role model for my sister. And it felt like everyone was holding me on this pedestal for my entire life, something that has made me feel really lonely and has had some lasting repercussions for my mental health. Really, it added so much pressure, I think, and anxiety to every move and every decision I made in terms of my academic background, my career, down to the major I chose in college and where I wanted to live after graduation. I'm constantly seeking adult and peer validation to the point where I find myself sacrificing my own needs and time to support those of others. And I do this because I'm so conditioned to doing it, having grown up being so held to a pedestal, so benchmarked against a certain expectation, having carried so much responsibility for, you know, not only myself, but for my family, my mom, my dad, my sister. And like, I just remember most teenagers like can't wait until the day that they turn 21. But for me, I remember dreading it so much because there was always this expectation held over my head that when I turned 21, I would have to be the one to kind of take over the, as head of the household at the time. Something that was really persistently reinforced since I was in high school. And in a way that it never really was with my younger sister, who was more free-spirited and rebellious. And because she was, my parents had no choice but to be a lot more flexible and lax with her. Meanwhile, I was held to much higher standards. It was very much like, oh yeah, we have Val to kind of be the backbone of the family, to kind of achieve all of these goals and these aspirations that we have for a child that, you know, V has more freedom to do other things. V is my younger sister, by the way. <laughs> I hope to have her as a podcast guest sometime, but she's the love of my life. I love her. But yeah, she was a lot more free-spirited and rebellious, and that's honestly something I wish I was more of when I was younger. Now I find myself, anytime I'm making decisions, always thinking about the effects of those decisions on my family. For example, I recently graduated college, and there was this unspoken expectation that I move home right after so that I could be closer to home closer to my mother, my sister, and my other family members so that I could support them much more conveniently than if I had lived elsewhere. And I never thought if like moving home after graduation was something that I wanted to do myself. It was just like, oh yeah, this is the right decision because this is the best decision for our greater well-being. In retrospect, I... I sigh. <laughs> Uh, this is such a difficult topic for me to talk about, but I don't know. I, I do wonder sometimes, like, if I hadn't grown up the eldest daughter, if maybe I would have been more adventurous with the decisions I make for myself. And another thing that I've noticed in my own experience is 
this immense feeling of guilt that plagues me whenever I do choose to make a decision that is slightly more selfish or maybe prioritizes my own needs over the greater good of my family. And for many other eldest siblings or eldest sisters in my position, I know that the sense of guilt often manifests in the career aspects of our lives. We might find ourselves making safer career or personal decisions, such as pursuing a path laid out for us by our parents or living closer to home, for example, because we feel scared that by pursuing something more adventurous or something more selfish, you're doing it at the expense of your family. And there are, of course, great things about choosing the safer route, but you're also doing it at the risk of potentially missing out on choosing something that is more satisfying and fulfilling to yourself. Also on this theme of not always being able to prioritize our own needs, I think for eldest daughters, rest and self-care often feels like something that needs to be earned rather than a basic human necessity, which it is. And this is because in a lot of our households, resting is seen as the sign of laziness. So we may feel a lot of guilt for making time for rest when we could be doing something more productive. And I think where this most apparently manifests in our adult lives is in our work-life balance. For me, this means I am always trying to juggle 221 things all at once at the same time. I'm working a full-time job, like nine to five, on top of this startup that I work on, on top of this podcast, on top of wanting to stay in the loop with my friends, on top of supporting my mom with some of the family stuff that we're handling at the moment, along with helping my sister find internships or navigate her college experience, on top of my relationship with my boyfriend, on top of being able to support my grandma and my aunts who also live in the city with me, on top of taking care of my own health. And somehow in my head, I'm like, well, I can do it. I can do it. And it, no one can do it. You know, no one can do that much all at once. But if I'm not taking on this much at all times, I feel like I'm wasting my time, which isn't true. And you'll see that a lot of these eldest daughters that are kind of speaking up on social media talk extensively about overextending themselves or being super high achievers to a fault. And being able to balance a lot of things at once is a great characteristic. It's a great trait to have. But I, I think it's not great when you're losing sleep over it and you still feel like you're not doing enough because you're doing more than enough. It's just there's a lot to deal with and you're doing your best. And you're also more likely than not doing it by yourself or with less help than you honestly need. And that's something that I think eldest daughters in trying to assuage this challenge have to consistently remind themselves. 
although you were conditioned to be able to handle all of this emotional and domestic turmoil and be held to these really high expectations, you are but a human and you deserve rest. You deserve to feel satisfied in your own decisions. You should be able to be selfish once in a while. You know, honestly, not once in a while, often. <laughs> Everyone in your family, they want the best for you and they want the best for the family. And everything that they tell you is hopefully told with good intent. But you need to remember to put yourself first too. Taking care of yourself should not be a luxury. It is a necessity. And when I say to be a little bit selfish, I don't mean to be inconsiderate or malicious towards others, of course. I, I'm talking about taking care of yourself, setting healthy boundaries, and making the best decisions for you. For starters, doing this will let you take better control of your life. When you're prioritizing yourself, you're giving yourself the time and space you need to pursue your passions, explore your interests, and work towards goals that you set for yourself. And the more that you do this, the less concerned you become with pleasing others. And the more focused you become on fulfilling and prioritizing your own desires and needs. Additionally, I won't promise anything, but <laughs> I will, I'm not promising anything because I think I will also struggle with this quite a lot. It's a lot easier said than done. But I think that by putting yourself first, you may also improve the nature of your relationships with others. Because when you're clear on your own needs... You're less likely to compromise your values and be taken advantage of by others, whether that be family members, friends, strangers, etc. You might become stronger and more assertive as a person. And I want to end the episode by saying that being the eldest daughter of my family, I did learn a lot because there was always this need for me to perhaps grow up faster than the average child. Something that I'm sure all of the eldest daughters out there can relate to. It was because I had to grow up faster that I was more independent. I'm very organized and I'm really grateful for the relationship that my role as a caretaker of sorts has allowed me to develop and to have with my younger sister. But now, I also struggle with a lot of things like seeking external validation, feeling like I'm not enough, guilt, and this feeling that I'm always having to fix everything because of the way that my brain has been wired. These are things that I'm working through, and I'm really glad that social media has kind of brought this experience to light because although those memes don't really solve for the problem itself, they really have helped me feel a lot less lonely and have validated my feelings in a way that I haven't really experienced before. But yeah, that's what I have to share today. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was definitely one of the more personal ones. It was a little difficult to record, I'm not going to lie. But I'm putting it out there with the hope that some of you guys might relate to it too. Please like follow, subscribe to the One Day at a Time podcast for more episodes like this. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.